0: Like river, hey, everybody! Jim Minery here on "I'm Glad You Said That." Thanks so much for tuning in. Um, if you haven't already subscribed to AKFamily.org, we are a Ministry of Alaska Family Council, and uh, I'm glad you said that that. is made possible uh, by John and Sandy Powers. Their are uh, local supporters here in Anchorage, and we cannot thank them enough for being a part of this ministry, a part of this podcast and broadcast. Um, you may be listening right now either on uh, KVNT, uh, the Valley Radio Station, although we can get, uh, pick that up here in Anchorage as well. And it's also on KATB. I'm still not sure if we're on KJNP yet. I believe that CBI Media has purchased a radio station and a television station, if I'm not mistaken, up there. Um, Anyway, we're very grateful for you to to be tuned in today. I'm very uh, um, pleased and honored to have my friend Bethany Markham on the show. She's the president of Alaska Policy Forum. They've become a force to reckon with, to say the least. Um, They've expanded their, uh, their staff and are just doing exceptional work in terms of being a think tank. That we can count on uh, advocating for freedom in all sorts of different ways, primarily fiscally, uh, but also they're into school choice and judicial reform. We'll talk about some of that stuff. Um, the main thing we wanted to uh, talk about. Today, with Bethany, though, I, I I saw that they have introduced the inaugural Alaska Leadership Academy. Um, and that will take place. I think it starts in October, I want to say. Um, we'll talk about it when she comes on, but anyway, they're they're accepting applications now, and it's 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 past time to say the least. I mean the the uh, the reality is that we have um, a lack of uh, leadership skills, negotiating skills, media training. We do that kind of stuff. We have brought up um, the Leadership Institute, actually, and, and uh, others have brought up groups. But this is specifically to um, to train uh, folks as uh, visionary and principled thought leaders, I'm quoting, who can guide Alaska's freedom and future. Um, and they're going to have outstanding instructors from all over the country. It's, I believe, October through, um, through May uh, or April. It's once a month and on a saturday and they're going to take really good care of folks and they're going to talk about constitutional and free market principles and have exceptional speakers so stick around we'll have a great conversation with bethany here in just a few minutes i wanted to read to you um something here in my monologue uh because i just saw it i'm a fan of the colson uh center for christian worldview john stone street uh is a friend and he's um Leading that program, there's Colson Fellows all over the country. We have a couple of them here in Alaska, and actually uh, interviewed one recently a while back. So, uh, anyway, if if you haven't subscribed or are part of the Colson Center um, uh, world, you should because they are exceptional in terms of what uh, Chuck Colson started um, you know, in prison was to get people out and uh, understand what it means to have a worldview, um, a biblical worldview that actually um, keeps you engaged in every facet of life. I'm going to read you just uh, I don't know if I have time to read all of it, but just listen to this. This is by John Stone Street um, on Breakpoint that he writes daily. It says, Christians, and these are in quotes, Christians should stop seeking political control and power and just focus on winning the lost. Another quote. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world, so Christians should stay out of government. And then the final quote. Neither Jesus nor the early Christian Christians tried to take over Rome. He built his kingdom in people's hearts and minds. So John Stone Street says, many variations of this argument... Can be found in Christian Twitter verse, usually in response to the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. The idea seems to be that real Christian spirituality neither seeks nor celebrates political or judicial victories. Christians should only be concerned with things of God, not things of this world. In other words, God isn't concerned with government, and Christians shouldn't be either. So then he goes on to say, though this line of thinking sounds quite Christian, it isn't. Rather, it is an inaccurate portrayal of the relationship between God's justice and earthly justice. Just as importantly, it misunderstands what our salvation is for and why God calls us to live in this world instead of just whisking Christians to heaven the moment we're saved. Um, this is something that was tackled by one of his colleagues, and here's a couple different points that I thought would be worthwhile for you to hear. Um, in a, and the first is, for most of the church's history, Christians have agreed that civil law should in some way reflect biblical moral- morality. Either Catholics, Orthodox, nor most Protestants believed that being apolitical was a good or godly thing. While there were occasions over the centuries when Christians shunned political involvement for a variety of reasons, often because they were prohibited from any involvement, it wasn't till, until the Radical Reformation and movements like the Anabaptists in the 1500s that swearing off politics gained traction as a principle for following Christ. Even then, it was a minority opinion. On the contrary, for most Christians, being a civil magistrate has always been seen as a high and noble calling. Second, Shane pointed out, or Shane points out, that something many theologians have noted over the years: that when Jesus said, "My kingdom is not of this world." In John 18.36, he did not mean my kingdom has nothing to do with this world. Rather, he meant that his kingdom is not from this world, does not use this world's methods, such as violent revolution, and does not aim at the world's ends. Um, Still, as Abraham Kuyper pointed out, Jesus' kingdom absolutely does affect this world, over which he has declared total sovereignty, and which he holds individuals and governments accountable for administering justice and punishing violence, Against the innocents. We've said that all along in Romans 13, where it talks about there's really two purposes of government: that is to punish evil and lift up that which is good. And, uh, And in terms of lifting up that which is good, we've always used that for um, in response to the Obergefell decision in 2015, which um, basically eliminated millions upon millions of people's votes in 35, 40 states that had put uh, um, constitutional amendments in place to clarify marriage as being between a man and a woman solely. In fact, Alaska was one of the first states in the country to do that. And so that was definitely a purpose of government, was to um, privilege that institution, which is the bedrock of society. And so especially now in light of what Lisa Murkowski is doing, we're hoping that Dan Sullivan's not going to do it, but um, it's stunning. I wrote a piece recently on that um, for Alaska Family Action. It was published in Alaska Watchman. but it's basically um, codifying everything in federal law. Regarding Obergefell, that would make it almost impossible for Christian ministries, including churches and Christian schools um, and governments, to say that there is any, um, you cannot do anything but bow down to the woke. Um, uh, sex ideology, including any kind of uh, relationship that they would consider marriage in one state, say so California, um, you know, they're just they're just literally considering polyamory right now. Polygamy is also on the books. So if someone moves from another state, comes to Alaska or some other state where that's not recognized, well, this. This so-called Respect for Marriage Act, which I think is misnamed, um, would make that impossible for that state to have that right to do so. And so we're encouraging folks to contact um, both Senator Murkowski and Senator Sullivan, who has not taken a stand yet. Senator Murkowski has said That she has always been supportive of same-sex marriage, which is true. Um, And she's been at least open about that. Um, And, of course, has been horrific regarding the issue of protecting innocent life. Uh, And so we need more leaders to step up. We've already endorsed Kelly Chewbacca. Um, And I would say that um, that's one of the things that the Alaska Leadership Academy is going to accomplish is to get more people to step up in leadership positions, not necessarily only in the political realm, but that's something that's certainly needed as we look to the future. So um, stick around, folks. We're here on I'm Glad You Said That. And we'll be right back with Bethany Markham. Like I said, she's with Alaska Policy Form. If you haven't gone there and signed up, you should. It's AlaskaPolicyForm.org, and become a part of um, that movement because we work hand in hand with her on things, including school choice and judicial reform. So it's a great conversation. She's a very sharp lady. i very blessed to call her a friend and sister in Christ. So uh, stick around. We'll be right back after the short break here on I'm Glad You Said That.
1: In peace like a river, my hey everybody way. welcome back
0: Jim Minnery here on I'm glad you said that super um, honored to have my friend Bethany Markin from Alaska policy Forum on the line Bethany, how are you
1: I'm doing wonderful today. How about you Jim It's a beautiful sunny day out there, so no complaints
0: i know i'm uh, I'm so blessed to be able to Um, you know, to have the ability to be outside a little bit more than normal, not having a nine to five behind a desk because when it's sunny, you know, I'm able to just go out and maybe work outside for a while or take a break and go play with the kids. And, um, but yeah, we live in a great state and um, we're greater because of your work at the Alaska Policy Forum. I am sure there's going to be a few people who don't know what the Alaska Policy Forum is that's, that's tuned in. So, Let's start off with uh, who Bethany Markham is and what the Alaska Policy Forum does so that we can get people up to speed.
1: Well, thanks, Kim. I appreciate you asking. So, yeah, it is, I'm sure, the case that some folks have not heard much about us. So so um, I'm the CEO of Alaska Policy Forum. Um, we are a small think tank, which uh, may not mean much to you, and don't worry if it doesn't because it really doesn't mean a whole lot. But all, all that means is that we do research and um, policy analysis, um, data um, and such, for policies that are going to bring more freedom to Alaska. And um, we do that primarily by working with policymakers, so folks in the legislature and uh, policymakers within the administrative branch at state level of government. We don't do too much work at the, at the city um, or the federal level, but it's primarily at the state level of government. So we're a state policy think tank, and our mission is to bring more freedom and prosperity, opportunity, and all those good things to Alaska. We kind of think of ourselves as the lobbyists for freedom.
0: Oh, I love that name. What would what are the what are the uh, number one things that Alaska could do to, um, you know, whether or not it's legislatively or the governor? Because obviously he has more power than almost every other state in the country in terms of, um, you know, how the Constitution has given him that power. But what, what are the top two or three things that you think need to happen in this state to give us more freedom?
1: Well, the, the top two or three things I would say are things that are going to require more than just action by the governor and really, to some degree, more than just action by the legislature. So one of those is um, what I, what's referred to as Medicaid work requirements. So it allows uh, for folks who, um, who are receiving Medicaid, um, which is essentially um, health care, health insurance provided by the government, uh, to, to require those folks to either work or train or volunteer uh, in order to be able to receive Medicaid. So that allows them to, to learn a skill and to be contributing to community and society. And so that's going to be good for our labor market, good for our economy, and good for those individuals as well. And then it also helps the cost of, the, of, the, of health care for the state. So there's lots of benefits to a Medicaid work requirements. So that's one of the, the issues that um, it's got a lot of um, kind of legal hurdles, I guess you would say, that, we, you know, have to be worked through, but um, it's something that would really make a difference. And then another one of the issues that I think is, is really top of mind is one that you work on as well, Jim, and that is um, the issue of, um, judicial selection reform, so changing the way that we choose judges here in Alaska. Uh, as you know, the process that we have um, really results in some um, very unfortunate selections for the judicial benches in Alaska, and um, being able to change that process um, is a very high bar, but it's something that's very needed.
0: Well, yeah, you're right. This has been something that we've worked on for a long time, and if there's one thing that I've come to realize is that uh, – you know, it's that old phrase that, you know, you're, if you're not taking flack, you're not over the target. And um, when we started doing even just modest proposals for judicial reform, it was stunning to me um, to have, you know, first of all, the court legal counsel uh, and former Supreme Court Justice uh, Carpinetti, you know, uh, testify. And even I, – I can't remember uh, if it was David uh, – what's his name? Um, uh, oh, gosh, he has a weird weird kind of beard, mustache. He used to be out of – he was out of Fairbanks. He was a liberal, but he was on that committee. And I remember when the uh, court counsel was advocating or testifying against the bill that we had introduced um, to, to give – I would just say give people a little bit more say in the selection process. I think we were looking at maybe adding a single member – um, yep, adding a member. Yeah, that was Pete Kelly's members. bill, yep. And David uh, said, a liberal again, said, you know what, I'm I'm having to chew on this because if this issue becomes comes before the court, you have already taken a stand on this. So how does the court recuse itself <laughs> when the issue actually involves the court and it's already taken a stand in opposition? So that was just awkwardly fun to hear, but you're, you're so right. I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why I know uh, Alaska Policy Forum has not taken a stand and, and doesn't intend to, and I respect that uh, regarding the constitutional convention. But it's one of the reasons why we are uh, supporting that effort, and it's one of the reasons why the Alaska Democrat Party has uh, uh, adopted a, their latest platform, um, saying we that they officially oppose a constitutional convention. And one of the reasons is because they're afraid that the people will have more say in how. The judges are selected um, as the third branch of government in the state of Alaska. And as you probably know, um, you know, that and we've used that in some of our videos, the consultants report. and I keep repeating it because I want everyone to know it. Um, the consultant report. Back in 1955, that the delegation asked for to come up to Alaska from the Lower 48 and say, "Hey, what do you think about our judicial selection process? This article of our uh, of our Constitution," and and Vic Fisher has in his book, he's the only surviving member uh, as original delegate, so it's not like this right wing uh, conservative conspiracy saying this. This is Vic Fisher's book that says, and I'm I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but it's uh, we have never seen a state give more power to the local bar association, the state bar association than what you guys are proposing. And to me, that's stunning. And that that consultation or that consultant report made it to the committee uh, on the judicial selection uh, process, but it never made it to the full floor for the delegates to look at. and I remember, the, you know, I can't remember if it was Bob Bird or somebody said, you know, one of the things he's also read because there's just reams of stuff that you can dig up and find about the the notes and all that stuff in the Constitution. He said there was a conservative member that said in 1955, listen, I'm getting pushback from people based on that report, but we have um, in 10 years we can solve it. So in other words, he was basically saying, well, we, we have. He needs these- to fix it. <laughs> we have these conventions. He knew it needed to be fixed. He didn't do it then, but he said, oh, in 10 years, we'll be able to fix it. Well, that's what I think is so ironic and not to go off on the convention. We'll talk about other stuff here. But the, the, I, I, Mike Schauer pointed it out to me, which was you know, the same group that's so rabidly opposed to the state constitutional convention claiming that these... The original uh, drafters of the Constitution were these uh, brilliant architects, and we just can't touch this sacrosanct document because it's so valuable and it's one of the best constitutions in the world um, in the United States. Uh, but they also then have to realize that those same brilliant architects put in a mechanism for us to have a convention. So was that a good thing that they did, or they were just drunk that night when they came up with that one and it was completely bizarre? Because they make it sound like it's the worst thing ever that that's put forward by these supposed brilliant architects. So it doesn't that doesn't make sense to me, and I, I, that's why we're one of the reasons why we're at, rapidly uh, supporting it because it it just is it, it's so obvious when you get in in close to the judicial selection process how politi- politicized it is. Um, And yet, you know, they they try to mask it in such a um, neutral terms of, oh, it's just so clean as the driven snow. And it's just it's scary to me how 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 foolish that is. But hopefully the people will make a decision. And, um, you know, like you said, we can still introduce legislation. Most often they have to be. Uh, constitutional amendments, but do we have the two thirds? I don't know. We can't even get fifty percent to organize down Juno, so it's hard to imagine. But um, I want to talk about. I want to dive into this Leadership Academy just before our first break, though. Introduce it, um, and then, uh, and we'll talk about it on the other side of the break in terms of you know some other parts of it. But what in the world? Um, I when I first saw this, I was like, this is awesome. I hope that it is filled up um, with. Uh, just exceptional Alaskans who want to make a difference in our state. But what is the Alaska Leadership Academy that you guys are launching?
1: Well, i tell you what, Jim, let's tease that for after the break because I want to comment on, on all that you just said about the Constitutional Convention because well, I do think you're absolutely right. The founders uh, you know, put, put it in place for us to, to vote on this every 10 years for a reason because they knew that we may not need to go back and address things. And then I would also want to add that um, there have been 27 amendments passed to the Alaska State Constitution. So we know that there's a lot they didn't get right and needed to be changed. 27 amendments. So there's, there's certainly uh, the, the opportunity for us to, to address that. And I think that um, you, have a, you have a very important conversation going, so I thank you for that.
0: Well, we're, we're a small part of it. I mean, we're, we're working on having a statewide campaign that would not be just our issues. I mean, we're a social, cultural organization, faith-based, so we're, we have a niche. And um, but really, one of the things that got us animated initially was how uh, the Alaska Democrat Party actually came out their their latest uh, platform and saying that they oppose the convention based on school choice. They hate school choice. Um, they don't want the people to have more a say in who uh, gets selected as um, as judges in the state. And they oppose, I think that what they say is uh, defining life. If we have a constitutional convention, well, you might even, you might define life. Well, we say we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness in the federal constitution. Um, we don't want life to be defined, you know, uh, heaven, heaven forbid that we actually define what life is. And that's actually not going to happen. I mean, in my view... It's one of the key reasons why we want a convention, but Shelley Hughes has already introduced the the language, which has been adopted in, I think, seven other states now. There's three other states that are addressing it this fall, but it's basically just clarifying the neutrality of the state constitution. Same thing that the the Dobbs decision did on a national level to say that, listen, the U.S. Supreme Court doesn't have a, a race, a horse in this race. Uh, you know, it's a state issue. Deal with it. And I think that that's the same thing with Alaska, is that the Constitution is silent on the issue of abortion. Let the people decide. And so I think that that will resonate, even with people who may not be pro- pro-life. But um, OK, so we're at the end of our first break, folks. Um, we're, we're I have the pleasure of speaking with Bethany Markham, good friend and head of the Alaska Policy Forum. If you haven't subscribed and gone by there, do so. Uh, it's alaskapolicyforum.org. Uh, we'll be right back here, and I'm glad you said that right after this first break. Peace, like
1: river, hey, guys. Welcome back. Jim
0: Minnery here talking with Bethany Mark on that Alaska Policy Forum. Super excited about this new project that they have coming up. Had even thought about signing up for it. I don't know. I mean, is there an age limit? I mean, am I too old to, to be a part of the? Leadership? You
1: are definitely not too old. Um, any Alaskan can apply. Um, we are focusing on adults. Um, you know, at some point we might, uh, you know, expand to include you know younger adults. But um, you know, we have so much potential in Alaska with the people that we have here. But sometimes we have a little a few rough edges. Um, you know, we all we all do. We all know that. And so the, the whole point of this is to really, you know, further equip and connect uh, both experienced leaders like yourself and emerging leaders um, so that we can create a stronger network of people who can move right-of-center policy in our state. Um, you know, we believe in uh, free markets and free enterprise um, you know, the rights and freedoms of individuals um, as opposed to, uh, to government having all the power. And those are the sorts of things that, that we can uh, learn about in addition to some kind of more professional development sort of leadership skills in this training. So we're really excited to, lo- to launch the Alaska Leadership Academy this year. It's going to kick off this fall.
0: Okay, so they go to uh, – if people are interested or they know someone that they think would be perfect for this – and I know many. What is there a capacity? Um, just you're going to just keep filling it up, or um, is there a capacity? And is there a cost? What are the what are those details?
1: Yeah, so it is very limited. Um, we this is a, our pilot project this year, so we're keeping it small so that we can you know learn learn what to, to do better and, and um, differently next time. And so it's going to be only ten seats that we're allowing this this oh, year. Wow. Um, Yep, and so it's going to be a competitive process. So we're going to choose some applicants for interviews, um, and then from those, we'll choose the final cohort of the first 10 students for this. Um, So it's it's once a month um, on a Saturday... From October through May so you know you know of course we're Alaskan so we know you get summer off uh, but starting in yeah. October through May it's once a month on a Saturday and there is a, a Friday evening session um, it, it's kind of optional but there's going to be some fun things that you might want to attend but it's not the actual program necessarily um, there's going to be some, some networking and a reception and that sort of thing on Friday evenings the opportunity to hobnob with some folks and so on so um, and for folks who don't live in Anchorage or the Mat-Su um, we are going to be providing providing airfare and hotel for those folks who are flying in uh, to Anchorage. And for um, Anchorage and Matthew folks, we will be reimbursing um, gas and mileage for those folks as well. Um, the uh, Saturdays will include breakfast um, and lunch. And then, as I mentioned, we'll have the reception with some food on Friday evening. So you're going to be well taken care of once you get here. Um, and the programs are just going to be amazing. We're flying up some real experts from the lower 48. We just got another uh, person confirmed today. So um, once we get all those confirmed, we're going to be putting out the names and such. But as an example, one of the, the folks who's going to be doing on-camera media training is coming from Washington, D.C. She trains a lot of the U.S. senators and representatives uh, down in Washington, D.C., and she's coming here to, to, to do on-camera media training with, with these uh, 10 folks. So we're like, wow. really like going to be building a pool of Alaskans who can make a difference uh, to change our state in the future.
0: Oh, that's so cool. You know, it's, and it's so left-like. I mean, I hate to say it. It's just that they're better at community organizing and thinking long-term than we are. I'm not saying they're smarter in any way, shape, or form. I think it's just, I've been asked that over the years, what in the world, why are we so far behind and we can't play the sandbox together? I think it's a mentality of independence that, you know, goes back to Reagan saying, uh, government's the problem, not the solution. Um, you know, but if you want to get a smaller, more efficient government and have more freedoms, you have to engage. It's just the way it works in a representative democracy, and so. But it comes more naturally, I think, in some ways, to those on the left, um, those who are more progressive. Um, they're typically not um, as engaged in their in their church. I would say I don't know. I can't back that up necessarily, but I, I, I I'm assuming. That a lot of conservatives are busy doing things other than community organizing and trying to figure out when the next uh, testimony is, when the next mm-hmm. protest is, or that kind of thing. And so, kudos to you for this. Are you getting good uh, responses right now? You guys going to have st- to make some difficult decisions when it comes to actually. What's the deadline for uh, for applying?
1: Yes. So the the program application deadline is August tenth. Um, in addition to the application, um, applicants are are going to need to submit letters of recommendation that are due on the same day. So, just a general letter from somebody who can recommend them. Um, and then, like I said, after we receive applications and letters of recommendation, we'll be doing interviews with folks to decide who the final ten are um, who can participate in the program.
0: Wow, that's so cool, and it it almost makes you want to, you know, we've thought about this over the years, um, you know, whenever someone's running for office, and we, part of what we do is recruit and train and try to get people elected that share our values, Um, but I always ask people when they're running for office, okay, so what are you going to do if you lose? And you know, first things they'll they'll say a lot of times is, well, I'm not going to lose. Okay, well, I like that confidence. That's awesome. You want to be aggressive and assertive and confident. But what if you lose? What are you going to do? Well, and sometimes they don't have a great answer. My view is that stick with it, whether you run again. That's right. Regroup. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so some people, some people will run two or three or four times, and then maybe at, at some point you say, well, maybe it's not the uh, the legislative, uh, the legislature that is is best for you. Maybe you try some other arena, or maybe it's not even getting um, elected as a public official. Maybe there's other t- other things that you can do. Maybe um, it's helping public officials get elected. Yeah, well, exactly, right, exactly, right. So the thing is, is so, let's say you have 500 or well, maybe more realistically 50 people who apply for this, um, you know, it'd be great to know who those 40 are so we can say, "Hey, let's let's engage them. These are people who want to learn and we need to have more of these opportunities available." I mean, we do something and just got back actually from Arizona, um, something called the uh Family Policy Conference, um, statesman's academy. And they have big donors. They take you to the Ritz-Carlton, different parts of the country, all expenses paid, and um, train them on all sorts of um, issues regarding you know, how to get elected, but also uh, what to do when you're elected in terms of having a biblical view and how you apply that within all of the mechanisms of government and uh, and fellowship and you know confrontation and blah blah blah, anyway, we took Sarah Vance down this year, um, and it was just a serious blessing and awesome and and uh, anyway we we just need to have more of these kinds of things. There's no doubt, and is this something that you're emulating uh, from other um, I, I want to say State Policy Network, the SPN that I uh, am familiar with, some people may not, but how do you tie in, how does the Alaska Policy Forum tie in with any national group uh, and what kind of affiliation is the, this and are there other states that are doing something similar to the Alaska Leadership Academy?
1: Yeah, so you're absolutely right. State Policy Network is the network that we are a part of. So it's over 60 think tanks that are similar to ours that work on state Policy, um, as opposed to federal or local, and um, and some some of them do have leadership academies. Now they're all a little bit different. So some of them have a flavor that's more campaign uh, focused, for example. Um, so you know we you know we talked about and decided what we wanted ours to look like, and ours is going to be less campaign and more uh, just general leadership and kind of. Policy and government uh, sort of information that we're providing. We we do think we're going to be rolling out a a, a two hundred one version of this, where we're going to get even deeper into policy and you know teach about the Alaska budget and some things like that. Um, and then we might do something with campaigns separately. Um, but you know that's also another another niche that someone else might fill. But we just felt like there was really um, a need. You, you, you know you've noticed how the last four sessions, I think it is, we have not been able to get. Um, our house to organize um, into uh you know you know appropriate caucuses. It's taken them much longer than it should to to organize into those caucuses and to some degree that's a, a leadership uh lack. That's illustrated, you know, by a lack of leadership. And so, um, you know, just seeing those things happen has indicated to us that we need not just, you know, campaign sort of things, but we need, you know, really actual leadership, professional development, training for folks. And um, and this is not just for legislators. This is, you know, in terms of future legislators, it's you know, people could become legislative staff, we community leaders, church leaders, you know, any place in the community that someone wants to make Alaska a better place. We we hope to be able to to bring in people from lots of different parts of Alaska.
0: Well, I love it. It's it's it reminds me in some ways uh not necessarily secular, but it's not faith-based, but the, the Colson Fellows program. I've interviewed the uh the one of the guys um that went through the Colson program uh in Alaska. Actually, I think we have like 3 or 4 fellows in Alaska, but it's it's similar. It's, it's once a week, I mean, once a month. And uh, then you have this also network of people that will be – same thing with the Statesman's Academy. You have this network of people that you can then um, consider your peers and have as people that you can bounce ideas off and, you know, share best practices, challenges, all that kind of stuff. So it's just, it's just a win-win all around. Um, so there is a cost to the program. Are they, I mean, are you guys doing scholarships, or how does that work?
1: Yes, yeah, so, so both – so we do have um so first of all i will say that this is it's going to be an expensive program to to put on because we like i said are bringing up uh you know some experts from the lower 48 and of course we've got costs for uh for the uh um, Students flying them in and so on, so there's definitely a you know cost to uh, the organization. But we have a lot of really wonderful uh, donors and supporters at Alaska Policy Forum, so they have deferred a, um, or, or allowed us to defer a large portion of that cost, really to subsidize it, so that the cost for tuition to apply for um, all eight months is is. Five hundred dollars, and then if the student fully participates in the program and graduates, they get rewarded back fifty percent of that tuition um, oh at the gosh, end. Um, so we've been able to keep the cost really low, and you know, and we do have a limited number of partial scholarships available for those who need financial assistance. So we just ask folks to send a letter explaining that uh, as well. So we are, are, you know, we want to make sure that everyone has a chance to participate um, in this. But at the same time, we want everyone to kind of have skin in the game and to understand this is a commitment. Um, and Amen. if they get selected, we want them to follow through with that, um, so that we can all see the the results of this as they become a leader for Alaska.
0: All right, guys, we'll be right back with uh, Bethany Markham here, and I'm glad you said that.
1: When peace
0: Hey guys, welcome back Jim Minery with I'm glad you said that. Unfortunately we this is our final uh segment because I can talk with Bethany all day, not just about uh politics but uh about hunting. Um and- <laughs> a lot in common, uh, including our faith and uh, and our, our passion for hunting and politics, of course. Um, not necessarily in all those orders, who knows, whatever. But uh, anyway, that's <laughs> the Bethany Mark, and we're talking about the Alaska Leadership um, uh, Academy, and I'm just super excited to promote it. We'll do our part, hopefully, um, Suzanne over at The Watch uh, or at uh, Must Read Alaska, and uh, Joel over at The Watchman will promote this as well. Of course, we'd like to see it be, uh, um, I'm sure, um, not that it's a a priority, but it would be nice to have uh, diversity in terms of, you know, you might get some Alaska Native leaders, you might get some people in the bush, you might get some people from Southeast, um, you know, everywhere. But, you know, I couldn't agree with you more what you said earlier, Bethany, about um, what an amazing... Opportunity we had the last three legislative sessions when Republicans weren't able to organize. Now you're not a political organization, just like we aren't. We're not a a, a, you know mouthpiece of the Republican Party, and neither is Alaska Policy Forum. We're focused on specific issues, and not all the time um, is it just for one party. It it, it most likely will be Republicans and conservative-minded people, but not necessarily. There's probably more. Libertarian people that might be interested, and who knows? Um, but what what was so stunning to me over the last uh, three sessions, the last six years, where we weren't able to organize, is talking to my colleagues across the country. And explaining that to them and as far as I can tell there's about forty states that are represented and they're they're ones they're they're people that are that, that are um, engaged in the minutiae in the legislative um, policy process in their state so they're very key influencers and they would know and it's it's stunning to me that I don't think I've found another state that has gone through what we've done three consecutive times which is we had Republican leadership in both chambers, um, and one chamber or the other wasn't able to actually play in a sandbox together, and they gave power to the Democrats. Now, you'll find some people that say, well, that's just – that's not the way it worked. We, they, we had to do this. We had to do that, and they would say – um it was leadership for them to actually put that uh, bipartisan caucus together i would disagree um in in that you got elected as a republican and there's a there's a set of principles we had the ability to organize and there was just a lack of leadership would you agree with that
1: yeah i would say that um that there that i would i would agree that there wasn't really strong leadership um if there had been strong leadership, then we would have seen caucuses organize earlier. Um, it w- they would have been able to put themselves together much sooner. Um, you know, these were folks that were elected in November, right? And and it was it was well at the end of January and then sometimes into the February uh, over the last, you know, like you said, six years before they organized. And and so leadership is able to get things done. And when it takes that long, that that tells you that there is a, a you know there's something lacking in the leadership.
0: Well, I mean and and to be blunt there's there's specific people too that I call out because I feel like it's a, it, it's necessary for people to know Chuck Kopp, he's a friend he was a friend I don't know if he considers that friendship still anything that's worth uh worth having, but he, he was part of the group that orchestrated him and and Jennifer Johnston. And those two are no longer in office because we took that very seriously as an organization that, um, you know, whenever that happens, at least with the social conservative issues, the arrangement that's made is that your stuff will never be talked about. Okay. We'll form with you, but don't bring up that crazy religious right-wing wacko cultural stuff. And then we'll, then we'll be okay. Um, and, so you have – excuse me. You have people like Chuck Cobb, Jennifer Johnston. You have Louise Stutz, who's been in Kodiak forever and has given the power over, and most recently you have Kelly Merrick. Um, and so I, I think it's appropriate to call people out and say, well, like I said, they would consider that as leadership because, well, we just can't get the party to organize, and so someone's got to step up and take control, and actually we have to um, – we have to uh, get get about the people's business you know we're down here and and we can't just stall and i remember telling chuck specifically you know what uh one of my favorite quotes is the best thing government can do is nothing so I don't have a problem with you guys <laughs>
1: doing
0: nothing. Why don't you do nothing for Correct. the whole session and we'll be better off, you know? Uh, but in his view, every he, time they
1: pass a bill, another one of our freedoms gets taken away. Jim. <laughs>
0: exactly. The least you guys do the better. Uh, you know, I remember my, I think it's in Montana, uh, you know, every state's different, but they only meet every other year. So uh, I'm like, wow, that sounds good. How about every five years? I mean, you can't really do that with our price of, uh, you know, of oil and natural resources. I can't see that happening. I'd I'd love to be able to see – I don't know that's something you guys have talked about as Alaska Policy Forum, but some of those states that – and there are several – that have a a budget session, and then they have their uh, regular legislative session. And so there's not this entanglement that ends up causing complete and total um, chaos and – you know, just the, the whole ship is stopped. Um, do you guys have a view on that? Have you looked into that? Um, you know, is it you know,
1: I can't w- say that the policy form has, but when I worked for Governor Dunlavey when he was Senator Dunlavey, we, we did take a position on that. And I agree with his opinion on that, which was, you know, he proposed that we do just that, um, that we have sessions only every other year instead. And, 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 or, you know, like you said, split it up between budget versus other. And my recollection, and I could be wrong, was that the, the Constitution. Prevented us from doing that I could be wrong there, but there was there was something that prevented us from doing that because we had that proposal and it didn't end up going anywhere but yeah, we absolutely love that idea um, of of having discussion about that because. Um, you know, this is, this is one of those things that seems to be a recurring theme with the Alaska legislature now where we're not able to organize. And, and actually, that's one of the reasons some of the topics that we're having in our leadership sessions are going to be there. We're going to have strategy and negotiation and team building and the things that, that are going to be necessary to create um, strong coalitions and, and caucuses um, to work within government.
0: Oh, that's, that's awesome. It just made me think of a friend of mine who's uh, high up at Hillcorp, and he he went to some Stanford program on negotiation, and we talked about it at one point. And it's critical. I mean, th- th- there are skill sets like that that have to be learned. Obviously, there are people who have it sort of innate, um, and they're just blessed in, in that way. But there's no doubt that having a citizen-led legislature, you're going to find people of all different persuasions, which I think is wonderful. Um You know, because you want that diverse kind of background where people have a connection to their communities rather than being a lifetime member, which uh, which is another issue that uh, we haven't necessarily talked about on the convention, but it certainly could come up. Have you guys taken any stands or uh, um, is there a state policy network um, position on uh, term limits or is that something that hasn't is not in your wheelhouse?
1: it has not come up you know i personally um i have my you know opinion on it and i i'm i'm in favor of term limits but that's kind of a caveat with that which i do believe that if you do put term limits in place you kind of have to do the same thing for the bureaucrats um because if if you don't then that's who runs um the state right is those long-term you know swamp employees who've been around for 10 or 20 years and they end up controlling everything so um so I think it was Mark Levin or one of those kind of national folks who put forward the idea of, well, why not just have term limits for them as well, right? I mean, they, they could be longer. They could be different. Um, so you can create, you know, some longevity and institutional lo- knowledge there where there's, you know, some crossover there. But why why not do that for both? Um, because then, like you said, the, um, the things that are really important will get done and the other things that government just does because they've always done them may not get done. And that's probably better for all of us.
0: <laughs> well, amen. It's funny because I had that exact conversation with someone uh I think I can't remember in what state it was, but it was down at the conference that I just came back from, and we talked about term limits, and the same thing came up. He just said, you know, that's really difficult with uh, with these entrenched bureaucrats that really are the ones, kind of the puppeteers, that know kind of behind the scenes stuff, and it does take some time. There's no doubt, especially you know that when you go down to uh, it, it's almost like it needs to be. Um, you have to experience it uh, firsthand, I think, to understand the level of chaos and volume. Um, I remember when the first time I, I was able to be a part of that inner circle when Dunleavy first got elected. You were in that room. There was a bunch of people, but I remember, uh, you know, slowly starting to see. There's like a gloss that kind of comes over because you're just absolutely inundated with so many people, special interest bills. I mean anyone would get swamped with that, and uh, you know so there's a learning curve, no doubt, and even after the learning curve, it's very intense and um but uh, we haven't taken the position necessarily. On-term limits, shoot! I want the people that are in there that I like a long time. There's no doubt about that. But uh, we also realize that there's some uh, inefficiencies and and you know some uh, swamp that occurs with longevity. But uh, well, folks, we're at the end. I can't believe it. But please go to um, alaskapolicyforum.org and look into Alaska Leadership Academy. If you, uh, it looks like it's under. Is it just on one of the main – well, you just go to their site. Yeah, so
1: alaskapolicyforum.org forward slash ALA for Alaska Leadership Academy, ALA.
0: Okay, and if you scroll down, it has like a little keyboard here and it says inaugural Yeah, you'll see that. So I hope that you get 500 uh, um, applicants, Bethany, and that you get the best of the best, and I'm just super excited. Um, uh, you're, You're an asset to the state on so many levels, and I thank you for your friendship and for being on the show today.
1: Well, thank you for having me, Jim. It's a pleasure.
0: No problem, folks. So go to, uh, again, org, and we'll be back next week here on I'm Glad You Said That. God bless you, and enjoy the sunshine.